Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Wednesday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan. In Las Vegas, I'm joined, as always, by producers Jihei Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Wednesday? Well, I mean, hump day couldn't get better, right? I mean, the only thing that kind of bummed me out was that there wasn't really a lot of sports on. Got to watch some college basketball, though, last night, so that was great. But looking forward to actual sports happening uh, very, very, very soon, <laughs> sooner than later. Yeah, I'm also a little bummed out, but uh, this LeBron knee injury, it sounds very, very fishy, and that kind of (laughs) bummed me out yesterday, but hoping for a speedy recovery for LeBron James. Wait, Buckus, let's get into that momentarily. When you say fishy, uh, but this is more concerning to me than fishy. I don't think there's any conspiracy uh, going on. When you say fishy, what exactly do you mean? Oh, I didn't mean uh, from a conspiracy standpoint, just like it just sucks. The fact that oh, um, yeah. don't, don't, they're don't being doubt. kind of vague with, with what it was. It sounded like he was going to miss one game. And the fishiness is that, well, now it sounds like we don't really know how close he is to coming back. But hopefully it's soon. Yeah, and, and, and so this is the biggest problem for the Lakers right now. Um, and we'll talk about the Rams momentarily. But, I mean, this is the issue for the Lakers right now is that you know, the reason that, that, that if you had confidence in the Lakers turning around their season and actually being a championship contending team or a, a playoff team that had an ability to, to do something, it was because LeBron was actually playing some of his best basketball. When you, when you think about that 19th season, 37 years old, but still playing amazing. And now with the knee injury and he's out for a little bit longer than we thought, and we don't know the timetable and they're being very cryptic in terms of what actually happened, how long he's going to be out. This is concerning because the Lakers, listen, they can find a way to be a decent team without Anthony Davis. They can find a way to win without Russell Westbrook. By the way, say what you want about Russell Westbrook. They, they really have not had to find a way to play without him. He's always been there. You need LeBron. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Without LeBron James, the Lakers are not a playoff team. Uh, you know They may qualify for the play-in tournament, but that's pretty much it. Um, this is concerning, and um, we can debate it and discuss it, but quite frankly, we, we, we just don't know what's happening, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. We know it's his knee. But when you have a situation where a player's out for more than a couple games and there's no timetable for a return, the reason for the concern there is every game matters for the Lakers right now. They they they, they have to have their turnaround. Not only now, they needed their turnaround like a week or a month ago. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Not overly optimistic. I mean, listen, I think LeBron will will come back, but – not overly optimistic that they're going to find a way to turn around this season. I don't think there's a trade out there to be had. Their first first round pick that they can trade is 2027. They don't really want to trade that pick, but they'll trade it if they can get someone. That That's five years into the future. Taylor Horton Tucker was supposed to be their one prize possession that they could possibly ship and get something in return. No, no one really wants him. 
so a package of Taylor Horton Tucker, a first round pick, and maybe I don't know none. Someone you're not gonna get a player who's gonna turn around this season. Maybe in the buyout market, but even with that, it, those are generally guys who want to jump on a championship contending team. And quite frankly, the Lakers are not at this point a championship contending team. So buckets, I mean, is there any hope? I mean, listen, you've been high on them. Let's say LeBron comes back, and he will come back, but that 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 he's not this Tom Brady LeBron. He's not a guy who's defying logic and time, and, and he's playing like a 37-year-old. I really do believe at that point in time we can throw in the towel on this team. The thing with this Lakers team, my optimism is, um, has not really waned, but it all stems on LeBron being the best player on the planet, which yeah. before this knee injury, I really think that he was playing better than anybody else on the planet. I understand how well some of the other top players around the league have been playing, but the way he controls the game is just next level stuff. Now, with that being said, if he can't come back and be that same version of himself, well, then everything else under that is probably going to fall apart. So yeah. the optimism about the Lakers really, really surrounds LeBron James's knee right now and the health of it. But, you know, I mean, the thing is Westbrook has been playing better. Davis has looked really, really solid since coming back from injury. Yeah. So there has been a lot of optimism despite their losing streak that they're on. But again, it just comes down to, it just seems like this team, there's been something funky with them all year can't stay healthy, no chemistry, and I don't know if that's going to change at this point because we're very far into the season. So we're getting into really petty stuff right now, but I want to get your both thoughts on this because I love Jerry West. When I think about the National Basketball Association, I think of Jerry West. He's the logo. He was not only one of the greatest players of all time, you, you, you really have to understand about what Jerry West walked into. He was the first round pick of the Lakers as soon as they came to Los Angeles. Um, and they were literally trying to promote the Lakers in parking lots of malls and uh, schools. And we have professional basketball in Los Angeles now. The Lakers, formerly of Minneapolis, the Minneapolis Lakers are now in Los Angeles. Come watch Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and and. and it was crazy what they had to do to get fans out there. And Jerry was a part of that. In seven of their first 10 seasons, they made it to the finals. They lost to the Boston Celtics. And it was, uh, it was, that was a, a big concern and a big issue for Jerry West throughout his life. They finally broke through the wall in 1972 and won the uh, championship. And then he goes on to be a coach. He goes on to be the uh, GM executive of the Lakers helps them really build Showtime basketball, bringing in Pat Riley and Magic Johnson, fast forward, bringing in drafting. I mean, he was the first guy to say Kobe Kobe Bryant will be a transcendent player, trading for Shaquille O'Neal, signing him to a long-term deal. The Lakers are where they are because of Jerry West. And, and um the Athletic wrote an amazing story, and this was a, such a heartbreaking thing because it was just sometimes in life you let small things get in the way of what really matters. And Jerry said that Dr. Jerry Buss, who owned the Lakers, promised Jerry West and his family season tickets for life. 
I gotta be. I mean, when you talk about what Jerry West meant to that team, what he meant to that franchise, that is a such a low bar. Like, I mean, I would have given him a piece of the team, but yes, listen, Jerry, you, your wife, your kids, season tickets for life. I mean, obviously that that's a that's an expensive ticket depending on where Jerry wants to sit. Courtside's pretty expensive, but whatever. Listen, it's for freaking Jerry West. At some point in time, he gets a text that those tickets have been rescinded. And he said that that was the the last straw for him. I, you know, he's, he had felt uh, not, he didn't get the respect that he deserved. He's a very sensitive man. And I say that with all love and respect. I mean, when you've done what he's, when he's done in his life, it, there is this sort of, listen, you know, he doesn't want to say it like this, but like, do you know who I am? I'm J- Jerry West. I'm the logo. And so, um, listen, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I just thought that, that was such a sad end to his time. Cause I know there's a lot of Laker fans who are, who, who are trying to figure out you know, how did Jerry West leave the Lakers? He went to the Warriors, by the way, helped them recruit Kevin Durant was a big part of, you know, them, you know, having the, their championship success, goes to the Clippers, according to various reports, had a lot to do with them acquiring uh, Kawhi and Paul George and being in the, in the position that they are in right now. Gee, let me start with you because, uh, you know, he is with the, he is with the Clippers now. I mean, I, this is just such a sad story that it would come down to season tickets, but it's really more than that. It's about respect. And I don't think Jerry West felt respected with the Lakers. Yeah, this is tragic in my personal opinion. I don't think this is petty. I think this is tragic and this yeah. is terrible on the Lakers organization part. The Lakers wouldn't be anywhere without the logo, without Jerry West. We wouldn't even be talking about the Lakers right now and their runs and how great they are without Jerry West. Um, the man is able to evaluate talent like nobody else I know of, right? Um, he's yeah. able to, he literally changed your franchise. You wouldn't have a franchise to talk about. We wouldn't have a, a Lakers squad to really talk about um, without Jerry West. So it's, you know what? You're talking over pennies. This is like when billionaires are are talking over like a, a couple grand, you know, like which shouldn't even mean anything to you, especially yeah. considering what this man has done for not only for basketball, but for the team that you wouldn't even be having right now if it wasn't for Mr. West. So this is tragic on the Lakers. Um, and I say give him whatever the heck he wants because he he's given you everything. And it's just, it's not fair. Yeah. I don't think it's fair whatsoever. And it's really tragic too. He, I believe in this, in a few articles, he's he said that like, this is an irrep- irreparable, yeah, yeah. it's just a gut shot to him, right? Sure. So I think this is an ir- irreparable um, situation with the Lakers, unfortunately. Um, it's, I guess it's very similar to like, you know, how the Knicks treat their former That's right. players, yeah. which is really, really, I mean, that, that by all means though, the, the Knicks ownership is terrible <laughs> in comparison to the Lakers ownership. Like they're garbage. But that being said, this is horrible. Jerry West is an icon. Uh, him being treated this way is ridiculous. Yeah. It's terrible. Our money buck is come on now. I mean, you're, you are the freaking logo of the league. You're talking about season tickets now? I hate to pull a Jim Mora. We're talking about tickets? <laughs> We're talking about season <laughs> tickets? I mean, come on now. 
No, Jihei summed it up beautifully. I think that it is just not acceptable at all. And it's coming from a, uh, a franchise that prides itself on taking care of their legends, taking care of their own. That's why, partially, that Kobe uh, got that huge contract, that last one. They wanted to take care of the guys that yeah. built that Laker lore. And so Jerry West, one of the icons of not only the league, but of the Lakers to not give him, a, a, like Jihei said, whatever it is that he really wants. And this is very minuscule compared to yeah. some other things that he could have asked for. And to not just meet him in the middle and, and come to agreements and to have to have this all boil over to now where he's going to the Clippers. And obviously he's been there for a while, Yeah, but you know, it should have never reached this point. Um, and maybe that is an indictment on Lakers ownership. I'm not really sure what to make of it, who he was kind of calling out, but it's just not a good look for your franchise to not take care of one of its legends. It's a terrible look, you know, because it's not that Jerry wanted a piece of the team. I mean, Pat Riley famously, um, you know, left the Knicks to go to the Heat because they he wanted a piece of the team. He didn't want to just be the coach. He didn't want to just be the GM at that point. I mean, he had loftier goals, and he wanted to own the team. Jerry, well, I mean, I, I hate – I. We're talking about tickets, season freaking tickets. I mean, Jerry should have a lifetime pass to a suite or whatever. I mean, if you have a statue, and I hate to say, but if you have a statue, you should just get season tickets. And again, you know, Shaq's not going to come to like every home game. You don't have to. You can sell his seat. I mean, it's like an it's 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 something that you just tell someone that listen. Whenever you and your family, your friends, whoever wants to come to a game, call us and you're set for life. I don't know what happened. That tickets got in the way of uh, Jerry West, you know, just saying, hey, listen, this is my team. You know, because for the Lakers, during their lull there and, and uh, you know, they they went from Jim Buss and it was Mitch Kupchak and they didn't know what they're doing. And then Jeannie got control of the franchise. She got rid of Jim. She got rid of, of Mitch Kupchak. You know, Pat Riley was running things with the Miami Heat. Jerry West was an executive with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, these are two of your, your pinnacle guys who really were a big part of, you know, when you talk about Pat Riley, the Showtime Lakers, when you talk about Jerry West, literally from the moment that they landed in Los Angeles was an integral part of that team moves into the uh, GM position. You have to find a way to take care of these people. So I don't know what happened there. I thought this was just a heartbreaking story. It was a story that I hated to read quite frankly, you know, just because I'm, I'm glad that he's back in Los Angeles. I'm glad that he's helping the Clippers out just because, you know, want the home teams to, to do well, but, it's just a really, you know, if if this was about something, and by the way, this represents more than tickets, but just the fact that this is in the headlines, it was about tickets, right? You know, I mean, season tickets, are, are you kidding me? Like, that's what we're talking about? Yeah, I kind of want to know what actually transpired between uh, the Bus family and... Um, and and Jerry West, yeah. like what actually happened, like what conversation happened to get to this point, right? Because it's not it's not always just about tickets. Like it had to be about something else, right? Oh, I, I'm under the assumption it had to be about something else. It, it, normally, in in it's certainly the case here, I'm sure 
but normally also the case in life that 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 what makes you the most upset it's not that it's the moments that led up to that and let me just read his quote for you right now um uh, you know, and this is in response to uh, the a ticket issue that we've been talking about. Uh, quote, it was a cold phone text to my wife. No one had the nerve to call me, but that's how petty they are, okay? And I love the Lakers, okay? I love to see them do well. It's great for basketball. I'm proud of everything that happened when I was there. I'm proud of everything that, that happened when I wasn't there, the positives. But again, so, I mean, he's basically couching the whole ticket things. But sometimes you feel like you're discarded, like a piece of trash. And there's a couple of people over there, not Genie. So he said that, not Genie. But there's a couple of people over there that um, I don't get it. I don't. I always had a great relationship with Genie. At least I thought I did. I don't know what, where it is now. So he's basically talking about this whole situation of, to your point, Jay, it's not just about the tickets. I mean, there's something more to it. There's, there's, there's something more to it that me having, like me and my family having these tickets, you have to text my wife, not me, but my wife to say, listen, uh, we can't, we, we, we can't give you these tickets anymore. And by the way, this was something that Dr. Jerry Buss, before he passed away, promised Jerry West. And so, you, uh, in my view, just for just tax and civility, you can't do that. Jerry, Jerry Buss promised this man those tickets. And again, I can't believe we're talking about tickets here, for, for goodness sakes. But you can't do that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, this is just very tacky on the Lakers organization part. I'm not blaming, uh, you know... I guess, I guess I am blaming the organization. The organization is to blame because, I mean, if this was something that you promised, you know, for a lifetime, yeah. then you should fulfill your promise, you know, just uh, this is so petty. And this is so this, this is something that shouldn't even be news. I do. This shouldn't even be something that they, they did to him. It's, it's just so disrespectful and so petty. 100% because, you know, at the end of the day, Jerry West is someone that like, he normally wouldn't even have tickets, right? Like he'd be in a suite. He'd be invited as a guest. He would uh, either be working the game. He'd be in the press. You know, he famously was so nervous watching Lakers games. When the Lakers would play a big game or when the Lakers would play the Celtics, he couldn't watch. So he was in the hallway. He was uh, like at a concession stand. I mean, he, he couldn't watch. When the Lakers beat the Boston Celtics finally, after all those times the Celtics beat the Lakers in 1985 and they beat them at the parquet in the Boston Garden, Jerry West was at home. And he wasn't watching the game at home. He was just at home like he could. He was too nervous. So, I mean, this is a guy who has meant so much to the franchise. And I hate to belabor the point, but it's just it's more sad than anything else. I'm, I'm not going to be the one that's going to point the finger at the Lakers. It's 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 just well, why did it have to come to this? And so hopefully, uh, you know, the, the traction this this story got, the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that a lot of podcasts, websites, magazines, newspapers, or whatever, just uh, hopefully cooler heads can prevail and they can figure out a way to be like, hey, listen, at the very least, Jerry West should get what he wants from the Lakers. Um, before we head to a break, I did get a chance to check out SoFi Stadium uh, 
yesterday. It is incredible. I got to tell you guys, it, it is so surreal to see SoFi Stadium all decked out and dressed out for the Super Bowl. Uh, so they are using the same field as the uh, championship game. They took all those logos and things off. Uh, they got the uh, big National Football League logo at the 50-yard line. The two Super Bowl uh, 56 logos are to the left and the right of it. Then you got the Rams logo in one end zone, the Bengals logo in the other. The interesting thing, the Bengals are the home team. According to the National Football League, the Bengals are the home team. But that being said, the Rams will get to stay in their home locker room and get to stay on their home sideline. Why? Because the Bengals are going to get the Chargers home locker room and the Chargers home sidelines. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we are going to uh, talk a little bit more about this big Super Bowl matchup coming up, Rams and the Bengals. We're going to hear from Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup. Coop. That's right. When we come back right here on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, we got big Super Bowl 56 coming up two weeks uh, from last Sunday, a week from this Sunday, happening at SoFi Stadium. We got the Rams and the Bengals coming to SoFi Stadium, effectively a home game for the Rams, but according to the National Football League, a home game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Did want to catch up with one of my favorite players, the best wide receiver in the National Football League. This guy is always a delight to hear from. The way he breaks down the game, the way he breaks down the game that he just played and the game that he will play in the future. Let's now hear from Rams wide receiver, Cooper Cup. Hey, Cooper. I just wanted to ask you what it's been like just being able to be a part of, um, you know, this this playoff run, this run to the Super Bowl after – obviously what you went through in, in, in 2018. Um, I know it can be difficult to talk about that. So I understand if you don't want to rehash the past too much, but just in general, what's that? Um, yeah, it's obviously, a, you know, a less conflicting experience than it was last time. Um, you know, being able to be a part of this thing all the way through, um, you know, being able to be there with my guys, being able to be in this place now where I get to be a part of preparing and then executing um, the things that we're going to be able to um, you know, put together over the course of these next two weeks. And um, yeah, obviously I have a ton of appreciation for the other side of this as well. Um, but uh, being in this position, being able to have the opportunity to go play for a, a world a world title uh, is not something obviously that we take lightly, that I take lightly and uh, very appreciative for this opportunity and just the work that it's taken to get here. And then I saw that you had a shared a moment with uh, Robert Woods post game. Um, you know what? If you're willing to share, what did you what did you say to him? What was that conversation like? And um, and uh, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, I'm not going to share what I well, you know, what we talked about, but um, being able to have Rob out there, um, you know, just the emotion that he had the. Uh, you know, he sits right next to uh, my wife and my family 
and uh, being able to hear from her even just how loudly, how crazy he was cheering for us and pulling for us and um, and being able to see him out there on that field. It's, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a special thing having a, some, someone like Rob on your team, having him as a friend um, and the, just what he means for this team, even when he's not able to be out there with us. Um, it's just, it's a special thing. He's a, he's a special, uh, you know, very special person. So, uh, you know, I, I love Rob. He's going to be my brother for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, being able to share that time with him, that's something I'll, you know, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Thank you. Thank you. Jordan. Hey, Cooper, did you guys do your rewatch already this morning? Uh, no, we have not watched the film. Like I said, are you going over things as a team? Yeah, or you personally, I was just going to ask for you, either in the moment or, or on a rewatch, um, any detail, I mean, the leverages and the margins were so important in that game, right? Mm -hmm. So any any details to you that particularly stood out in terms of uh, you guys finding a way in those margins? Yeah, well, uh, you know, the 49ers, they did a great job. Um, you know, I touched on it a little bit yesterday, but they, uh, you know, they don't play a lot of different stuff. You didn't see a, you know, it's not a bunch of exotic coverages or anything like that. It was cover three, cover four, some fire zones, and mixed in a little bit of two. Um, but they play it very well. They've got good players that know how to how to play it. Uh, they know where their help is. They know where their issues are. Um, I thought Matthew did a great job being able to get through progressions, being able to change his arm slots on some throws that were um, incredible, fitting some balls into some really tight windows. Um, and then just trusting some throws too, where it's just, hey, I, I'm trusting that, you know, the receivers are going to be detailed enough to get where they're supposed to be. Um, and then guys just being able to separate at the right times and be where they're supposed to, where they're supposed to be um, uh, within the timing of that play. So uh, there's a lot of things that we did really well. Uh, obviously a lot of stuff that we've got to clean up as well. So um, yeah, I just thought, I just thought he did, did a great job. And uh, for Kendall to step in like he did, uh, make some huge plays for us. Um, you know, caught a couple of no lookers from Matthew back-to-back uh, -back plays and uh, just did some really good stuff. So, um, you know, across the board, a really a, a full team win, took everyone on offense, especially, um, you know, being able to make that happen. Uh, Matthew's number, we talked a little bit about this before the season started. Matthew's numbers after he either th throws an interception or there's a negative play or he takes a hit or he's under pressure uh, via blitz are um, pretty strikingly high. Uh, it, it's probably an oversimplistic question, but do you get the sense that he, he likes uh, being under, uh, not duress, but he likes kind of having someone challenge him or have uh, a scheme challenge him in that way? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't think he likes being hit. I think he's past that point. I think his days <laughs> of running people over and doing all that are kind of behind him. Um, I think he'd tell you the same thing though with that, but uh, I think he, I think he enjoys being, he says it all the time, you know, he's like, yeah, let's go do something cool. Like, he wants to be able to do something kind of sweet, uh, you know, being able to change his arm slot, like come make him, make him move off of his base and throw around someone. Um, I think he enjoys that. He enjoys the opportunities. To, he's obviously, I don't think he'd either keep complain though, if you just made him sit in the pocket and, you know, throw the ball. Uh, I think he'd be fine with that too. But uh, you know, he, I think he enjoys doing doing those cool things and being able to uh, you know manipulate things like that. Thanks, Cooper. Yep. Majesty. Hey, Cooper. What sense do you get, whether uh, from other guys who were in the Super Bowl last time, or or just general sense of things? What's the difference that playing at home and preparing at home, not having to travel, is going to make? 
Yeah, well, not having to travel, that's obviously going to be going to be great. Not having to hop on a plane or anything like that, um, being able to kind of stay within your rhythm and routine, I think, is as best as you can. And um, I think that's uh, it's a great thing for us. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, regardless of what it is, whether having to travel or not, I mean, you just you no matter what's thrown at you. And we've seen it this just this year, what we had to do. Um, obviously with some COVID stuff that went on, I mean, you just find a way to continue to prepare, to take it a day at a time, um, whatever comes your way, you just, you know, attack it that day, whether it's media, whether it's, you know, virtual meetings, it's, you know, whatever it's, it's whatever's thrown at you, which is, we just done a great job of being able to deal with it and uh, make sure that we get done what needs to get done. So we can go out there and play free uh, when it's finally time to play the game. Mm-hmm. Any early impressions of the Bengals? What, what do you know about them? Yeah, so I mean, um, they've done some really good stuff this year. We just have seen them in passing um, as you watch film uh, of other teams and stuff like that. So um, obviously, some very explosive playmakers on offense. Um, you know, I think skill players are uh, phenomenal. I think Joe Burrow's doing some great stuff here and um, making some huge throws, stepping up in the pocket. I mean, even some stuff he did yesterday, escaping. You know, being able to use his legs and um, you know run for first downs, it was, it was pretty impressive watching what they can do. Um, and then you know on defense, on the defensive side of the ball, you've got some some good rushers up front. Um, you know, the, the, some DBs have have some great experience. I think on the back end there, uh, I think Cheeto and Eli Apple, um, both good corners. I think you got Hilton at, at uh, the nickel, who's, who did some great stuff. Um, I obviously have a lot of respect for him and uh, the career he's put together. Um, like I said, those safeties do a great job back there as well. So uh, it's going to be a great challenge. Obviously, they're they're playing for a world title for a reason. They played against some they won some big games. Uh, they're a very talented team. So I'm looking forward to really being able to dive in and uh, prepare for these guys. Thank you. Yep. Hey, Cooper, uh, congratulations on the win. Um, Coach McVeigh talked about just the resilience of this team and obviously the physicality of the game yesterday. From what you recall, how much do you feel like the, being in, in that type of battle uh, with that team will help you guys moving forward uh, up against the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, well, um, I don't know. You, you always take something from a game, I guess, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's so much of, you know, that type of game doing anything for us as much as it is just being able to watch the film and say, okay, well, you know, when we're getting against these fronts, we're getting against movement, whatever it is, like how are we wanting to hit things? How are we wanting to uh, make sure that we're just trusting our process and how we handle um, our business? Um, you know, we're all about just continuing to improve. Um, we're, we're a different team than we were when we started this year. We've continued to stack blocks and getting better and better and better. And you know, that doesn't change now. Just because you're playing in the Super Bowl, you continue to get better at least next two weeks. Um, we, we will, you know, we strive to be a better team um, on the 13th than we were uh, yesterday. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of how you how you approach that. And regardless of what game it was, you just uh, you learn from it. And you move forward. I also noticed you uh, when you caught the uh, pass. It was, I believe, later in the, in the fourth quarter. You kind of had kind of yell like an emotion, like, you know, you were really excited, but was that more of a sense of kind of relief? Like, okay, we're closer to accomplishing our goal. Did you kind of feel it at that moment? Um, I wouldn't describe my emotions in that moment as relief necessarily. Um, I was just a, uh, I don't think you can just be yelling at the top of your lungs and be relieved at the same time. So um, it was kind of just a, yeah, a rare moment of emotion, I think, from me. I uh, just excited about Feeling like, you know, we we have put ourselves in a position now to be able to take control of this game. Um, and, 
obviously in that situation, you'd like to go down now there and you know, run some more time off the clock, not to put your defense out in the field. Um, some stuff, obviously, like I said, we're going to be able to clean some stuff up. Um, but, yeah, just a, a moment of uh, a little bit of emotion from you. Thanks, Cooper. Yeah. Gary? Hey, Cooper. Uh, do you have any uh, memories that are that stick out actually watching Super Bowls, either growing up or, you know, things that really that stand out in your mind from those games? And if, if so, what are they? Um, yeah, so uh, there's been a couple ones. I mean, um, obviously the, the Rams-Titans game, you know, sticks out, the ending of that one. Um, you know, the Baltimore game when the, you know, the lights go out. Um, being able to watch, I think, uh, when the Seahawks and the Broncos played, and it was a, the, an awful game. You know, I remember being very frustrated because I was like, I'm excited to watch a good football game, and we didn't, didn't end up getting it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember some stuff, you know, but I've always been, I mean, I've always been someone that I think I have a lot more respect for the process than I do the the moment or like the the pinnacle of whatever it is that's happening at the time. Um, you know, allows me just to kind of appreciate you know the the totality of something versus you know a um, a binary yes no at the end of a game. Um, you know, I think it also helps keep us from making a moment bigger than it really is uh, when you are able to believe and um, enjoy everything that's come from building into this moment, building into this time that, you know, you're not going to be defined by, I, I refuse to be defined by uh, an end result ever. You know, I continue to trust in my process um, in the, the effort that I've given to get to that point um, and trust that, you know, whatever I've done to put myself in that position um, that, you know, I can just go out there and be free to play and, uh, you know, to let the ends rest rest with God and where that's going to go. But um, allowing myself to be in that process and trusting in the, the journey of that, of the, uh, of, you know, what it took to get to wherever that pinnacle is. Um, you know, I think that's kind of where, um, where I put my, my value, I guess, you know, I, I value that a little bit more than those, those final moments. So, um, you know, I can appreciate going back to the question, I can appreciate the seasons that people put together and the, um, the adversity that teams deal with and the ups and downs, the ebbs, the flows and how they handled adversity and overcame those things. You know, that's, those are the kinds of things I think, you know, I appreciate more than just the, um, the binary win or loss at the end of the season. And then um, yesterday, at what point were you aware that, you know, Tyler Higby uh, was not coming back into the game? Um, and how do you, you mentioned Kendall, but how do you feel like Kendall uh, stepped into that role? Yeah, you know, you're never sure. You know, and you know, I, I saw um, Higby going off there, and it didn't. He obviously didn't look good. Um, you never know. Higby's so tough. He's played through so many things. You never know if you're going to see uh, you know bigger Higgs trotting back out into the field again. So um, you know, you just. You, you have to move forward, though, to the next play. You know, Kendall's in that huddle, and, you know, there's all the faith in the world. The other 10 guys on the field have all the faith in the world that Kendall's going to be able to do his job and go in there and execute, and he did a great job stepping in, made some huge plays for us. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just it's, – it's a great feeling being in that huddle and knowing that, you know, the guys that are standing to your the left and right of you have prepared 
as well as they possibly can. You know, Kendall might not have gotten as many reps as Higby did this last week, but, you know, mentally he was dialed into the right stuff, knew what he needed to do so that when his opportunity did come, he was able to go in there and, go, go in there and execute. So, um, you know, he did, just, he did a great job for us. Thanks very much. Hmm. Hey, Cooper, this is a team that had a lot of the same skill position players for a few years in the middle of your career. And then this year, you've gone through quite a bit of turnover. You start out adding Matthew. And then since midseason or thereabouts, you've lost Robert, Deshaun, John Munt, Daryl Henderson. You've added Odell. And then you lost Tyler last night. That would be a tough thing for a lot of offenses. But your offense is still getting 400 yards a game. And you've lost one game since Thanksgiving. Where do you see that resilience coming from? I think it's just the process that we take um, across the board, no matter who you have stepping into that role, no matter how many reps you did or did not get during that week, the expectation for your preparation uh, is at a premium. And, um, you know, I think we've done a good job setting that standard here. Um, and it's not about, I mean, just you don't, you are not afforded the excuse, well, I didn't get the rep in practice. You know, it's about, you know, being dialed in. You're able to, see, if you're able to see the rep, you're able to, you know, be a part of then going out and executing that. And that's it. That's the expectation we have here. So uh, having guys that are dialed into that um, really allows you when you go through that, that kind of adversity, you never want to have to deal with that. Obviously losing players um, like we have and, um, but having guys then that can step in and, you know, step in and execute their job to the best of their ability. That, that's a huge thing for us. Thanks. Yeah. Maria. Cooper, to kind of um, expand upon that, talking about the adversity, you guys did overcome a lot this year and you never know until after it happens, but what kind of strength, what do you think you have all gained from the adversity, the, that intangible thing? Yeah, well, I think the, the it's just that reassurance. It's the, uh, I don't know what, what the word is exactly. It's I think it's the, I guess it's the proof in the pudding, you know, that you, you have this belief that, um, it's about the process. It's about being able to handle adversities, about handling the highs as much as it is handling, handling the lows, um, and then being able to push through and, and find ways to continue to win, continue to get better. And, you know, I think the um, we've done a great job in both of these situations where we've had, you know, strung together some some losses there in the middle of the season, but being able to respond from that in the same way, being able to string together wins and not feel like we ever took a sigh of relief or, you know, step back. It's just, you know, a good, bad, or ugly learn from it, move forward, be ready to go. And, uh, you know, continuing to just trust in that process and continue to, um, you know, call guys up to that standard has, I think, allowed us to just continue to uh, get better over the course of this year. Thank you. Yeah. Dylan? Uh, Cooper, uh, the last few weeks in particular, I mean, it's kind of been all season, but especially in the last few weeks, McVay has talked a lot about, you know, a lot of you guys and types of kind of competitors you guys are. Uh, what kind of competitor is McVeigh, and and what are those moments? I guess when you're kind of able to see that, how do you, how can you tell kind of what's inside of him in that in that regard? Yeah, um, uh, he is. Yeah, he is. He is a. Um, I think he he at times like maybe he'll say this, maybe not, but I think at times he's. I mean, he walks the line between like unhealthy competition and healthy competition uh you know he wants to win at all costs um and uh you know he needs aware of it he knows that he's uh he's a psycho but uh you know it is what it is and uh, i wouldn't want anyone else leading this team you know what he's able to call us to the standard uh the um tone that he sets for this team and just the you know, walking embodiment over and over again i mean he is he is consistent in his expectations for people 
um, and in, in the energy that he brings day in and day out. So, um, you know, he's just someone that wants to win. And when you have someone that wants to win like him, uh, he's just going to continue to put guys in positions to do that. Um, and you know, you, you never have to question, um, you know, his preparation and, you know, the work that he's being able to put in week after week, day after putting us in the best position to execute. Um, so there's a lot of appreciation and respect for someone that um, puts the time in and, and just cares about his guys as much as he does. So, um, you know, he's a, he's an incredible competitor, incredible coach, uh, incredible person to be able to play for. What do you see when he, when he gets close to that line? What do I see? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about the anger sharks here quite a bit. Uh, you know, when the anger sharks start swimming, you know, that's when I think things get uh, okay. Uh, he, the anger sharks are swimming. He's, he's mad. He's not mad at people. He's mad because, you know, something he has an answer for something yet, or is there something that's giving him some consternation uh, that he wants to get an answer to. And uh, um, I think that's one of those things where like, you can see, he just, he's not okay with not um, having an answer for us or having, you know, having something that's putting us in, if he's, if something that's putting us in a bad position, he doesn't have time for that. So, um, you know, I appreciate that about him. All right. That was Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup uh, just breaking it down, winning the NFC championship game, beating the San Francisco 49ers, heading to the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium. By the way, we did not have a home team playing in their home stadium in the Super Bowl for 50, what, four years, and now we've had it in back-to-back years, although this one's a little bit different. This will be in front of a capacity crowd. At SoFi Stadium, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals get into town on Tuesday. The Rams, of course, will already be here by Tuesday. Uh, The Bengals will be practicing at UCLA, Drake Stadium. And uh, the Rams will be at their home facility at Cal Lutheran. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. What do you say? Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.